listening to the Power Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I'm so excited to have back on the show with us, Tara Long. She's one of our members and, and just this amazing, shining light within our organization. And so I'm excited to have her back to, we're just going to flesh out and kind of feel into and expand upon a concept that's been really highlighted here lately of chaos and darkness. So Tara, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I am so excited to be back. <laughs> Yay! So So what we're going to talk about is a lot of people have a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. And you and I were discussing a little bit ago about how, especially in December, how it just felt like really kind of navigating spaces. I'd love if you're up for it, for you to share that imagery you were sharing with me about, you know, it's kind of like the falling aspect and then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Well, actually, this was an experience that I was having pretty much all of 2016, but it came to me in different ways. And around maybe October, November, I was just at the point with, and it was really, it had a lot to do with my business and kind of like a lot of WTF moments, you know, like what's going on? What do I do? (laughs) And I just kept asking my guys, my higher self and you guys, come on, what's going on? It was just painful. I was in a very uncomfortable place with it. And they showed me this in one of my meditations. I just had this vision of this just black hole, this endless, and it almost seemed endless, of course, at the moment. And I kept asking for these answers and they were just like, no more asking for answers. First of all, there are no answers right now. So stop asking and just continue to fall. And so the surrender piece was something that I was really, really like into last year and just felt the depth of that because I thought, oh my gosh, I have surrendered over and over again. And as much as I possibly feel like I am at the moment, but because I was still asking the question, how can I surrender more? What's going on here? I wasn't a complete surrender because there was still some resistance there. So I got the image of just falling down this hole until I get to the bottom. And there was no answer of where that was or when it was going to happen. And they basically told me that don't try to grab onto the sides, which of course a lot of us do, right? It's like comfortable. We're like, wait, wait, wait. I just want to stop and grab onto something that is familiar, even though it does not serve you anymore. And so that was the message was this doesn't serve you. If you're going to hold on to something, you can do it, but you're going to end up falling again anyway. So just let it all go. (laughs) And it was really like, I knew that once I got to the bottom, that only from that place was I going to be able to get any clarity, find any answers and really create what I meant to be creating in these moments. So it was really Mm -hmm. just surrender, surrender, surrender. And oh my gosh, yes, it was painful. What I loved about that was that was about the same time I was getting the messages of just really getting clarity on not needing to understand in the moment. And in retrospect, I was able to look back and realize that everything always was clear after the fact. And my desire to understand something in the moment was really, and I won't even say impeding the process because the process is what the process is. But it was like in a kind of a weird and twisted way, like I wasn't even enjoying the process or appreciating it, I guess, would be a better way to say appreciating it for what it was. And I found myself saying to a lot of people who are going through transition saying, hey, this is like the courtship, like enjoy it. You never get this phase back again. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what a silly thing to say. Like, I know this sucks, but it'll be fine. I just really feel it. Just love it. You know, but the truth is like, 
And I'm learning to really appreciate the moments of chaos and kind of look at Justin these days and he'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to throw a little fit right now, you know, (laughs) and it's okay. Because otherwise, I think as we go about this journeying, there is a place that some of us get to where it's like, what the heck is the point of all of Mm. this? Like when you really get to where you know that you're an aspect of oneness and you can instantly manifest, you can do all that stuff and you've kind of mastered all these different techniques and you know that there's really no overriding mission or purpose that you just have have to do like it's all by choice I think sometimes we can slip into this feeling of like why am I here? Like, you know, and so it's like yeah. the whole self-definition, but in a different space. So to me, it's like, we're here to act like it matters, you know, and it's like, not in the dramatic kind of attachment ways before, but now it's like, how do we want to play? And sometimes that playing is not rainbows and unicorns. Like sometimes it's playing with things like, holy cow, is the country going to hell in a handbasket? Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like, why are we so divisive? Like, are we really having these conversations again? And really taking that step kind of up, you know, I was gonna say step back, but it's kind of a step up and go, why? Why are we playing in this? Mm-hmm. What does it serve for all of us collectively? Like, what is it that we wanted to experience here? Mm-hmm. Allowing the experience and then perhaps analyzing it, you know? Like, <laughs> right, right. When the time is right, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really being discerning on that. And like you had said, in those moments, it's not necessary to have the clarity. It's necessary to just be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's what the moment is asking for. That's what it's always asking for. If we can just feel into that. And I know for sure, and I don't say that a lot, honestly, because what do I know? You know, but, <laughs> And it changes, you know? And it changes moment to moment, right? Like, oh, I think I've got it all figured out. Oh, and then. <laughs> and then something else, yeah. But I know for sure that the answer is always more love. So these moments that we are feeling so separated and the otherness of him and her and all these things that are happening right now, especially in the U.S. and globally too, it's Mm -hmm. when we feel like our hearts are breaking, how do we open them more? How do we love more, not less? And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that we don't have boundaries or we don't voice our truth or anything like that, but we can do all of those things with compassion in a way that's loving to another person anything else so funny that you said that. it reminds me of when I first started off doing intuitive coaching again you know I've told that story many times quite by accident I heard myself really working with people who had kind of bought into this idea of being in their heart space right so what would happen is we'd be talking and they'd be super irritated about something They're like I know I just need to come from my heart I'm like mm, yeah I'm gonna tell you not to do that And they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't think that's where you really want to be playing. And so I created this whole idea of like the power center, which is like the second, third and fourth chakras. Mm. I'm like, really, like, let's drop down a little bit further. Because what I found was when you tell people to come from their heart space, first of all, most people's heart chakras didn't have the capacity to really Mm -hmm. expand anyway. Like a lot of us, our heart chakras are in a state of arrested development. And that takes some work to get through that. But not only that, but what I found was if you tell people to settle into their heart, their energy usually stops about their throat. You know, it's like you're trying to get them out of their head into their heart and they don't quite make it. And so I was like, let's just go further than that. Like, let's go. In fact, that's when Justin and I would teach counterintel agents to feel the inside of their feet. Because what we found Mm -hmm. is that if you have them focus on their feet, they sometimes settle around their second and third chakras, which is a really typically a powerful and expanded place for people to be in. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to encourage you to do that. And people were equating heart space with being weak because they were looking at the emotion of love, not the frequency of love. 
Right. And so I would say, you know, like that's not a power play. That time all my conversations were around personal power. And it's like, that's not where you're most powerful. You're powerful in your knowingness, which is typically around for different people, the solar plexus, the sacral yeah. and that space expand out from there. And now you're connecting without compromising yourself and really like teaching that piece of it. And then that moved into the dialogue of the difference between love is emotion versus love is frequency. And I'm like, I meet everybody in the frequency of love. And trust me when I say most people will tell you it doesn't always feel good. Like it doesn't always mean that I'm being nice and polite and because the different pieces of us experience that frequency very differently. And so I like that distinction of to meet people in love and expansion does not even mean that you really have to like them a whole heck of a lot at that moment. It just simply means the way I see it is we acknowledge their highest. So for instance, with Trump, you know, I find myself having a lot of conversations with people who villainize him. And I say, here's the deal. Like he can't play that archetypal role unless we ask Mm. it of him. It's impossible. And we would be foolish not to accept that it costs him something to play that role. Anytime somebody's playing a hyper like archetypal role, they're sacrificing some element of themselves to do it. And he's doing it because we've asked him to. When we no longer need him to, he's not bound by that. And then he has some serious choices to make. But as long as we're pitting ourselves against it, it forces that role to continue. Yeah, yeah it just creates this, yeah, yeah, more force and so it's stronger. Mm-hmm. And so it's like where I really love to work with people and we have a dialogue going right now on the net around how do you hold a position that maintains your power and doesn't try to take someone else's because a lot of us hold positions by means of making someone else wrong Um, and it justifies our position and it's an art. It is. It's not modeled well, I don't think yet in our society. No, I don't think that it's been taught or that anybody really knows how to do that. And that to me is coming from a place of lovingness and compassion when you can stand in your own power without making someone else wrong for being in theirs, whatever level they're coming from. And I know that you are this way as well. But when I am in conversation with someone or see someone like Trump or whatever, of course, I am always able to see the person's highest, whether or not they're connected to it. That's another thing. But that to me is the space of love. And we can only do that for and with others once we've done it and with ourselves, right? So Yeah, I'm so glad you yeah. mentioned that because make no mistake about it, I'm not saying that people are consciously aware when they're playing those roles. Right. And I find, it was a while back now, I really started to explore within myself where that kind of fight or flight thing gets triggered for me when I feel unsafe in an environment. Mm-hmm. And what I saw across the board was it was always when people weren't necessarily managing their parts very well. Mm. I didn't have trust in their ability to manage their lower frequency pieces. And that's huge because we all have those pieces. The only difference is the degree to which we're able to manage them. And I got that from the Dr. Strange, which he said, you know, we never get rid of our demons. We just rise above them. Mm. And it hit me in that moment. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so right. Like they're always there. Like we always have the ability. And I'd been saying for a while, like I could drop down to a lower frequency piece and stay there and wallow around it if I so chose. Like it's never out of the bounds of possibility. The difference is being an awareness of that and making those choices and really choosing to pull yourself Mm -hmm. back out of it if you do dip down for whether you're playing a role for somebody Mm -hmm. or you get triggered or whatever the case may be. So I'm really glad that you made that comment because very few people are consciously aware of the different roles that they're playing and Mm -hmm. what they've agreed to. A lot of this just came from our marriage. Like Justin and I really played with this and committed to playing how we're speaking. And I remember early on saying to him, like, okay, I know I'm triggered. I really want to make you wrong for it. 
I don't know how to communicate it in a way that doesn't try to make you wrong or doesn't take your power. And yet I feel like I need to say something, like I need to get it out. It's in me. And really just being open and transparent with each other through that process, because there were no guidebooks for that. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the, well, I feel this when you do this. And it's like, this like, is that on steroids? It's like, well, yeah, but you can't really do anything to me. The next level is like, that's so wonderful that you were able to have that experience now that you can you know, help other people have that conversation because relationships, whew, yeah. <laughs> that's like the place, that's mm-hmm. the place where we grow, I think the most almost really. Oh yeah, I so, mean, because you're talking okay. about intimacy, real vulnerability yeah. in those spaces. And so many of us are here in the call to co-create together, not just dive into traditional type relationships, but right. really shift that which is funny because, you know, if you look at it, what really did it for me, what prompted that in me was Khalil Gibran. And that guy's oh, work's been around forever. So it's like, it's oh not gosh, new, yeah. you know? No, it's, no, it's like, not new. <laughs> no, his book, The Prophet, is like uh-huh. old and it's still completely relevant yeah. every word. Like, yeah. Well, and I was really opposed to the concept of marriage until somebody mm-hmm. pointed out his on marriage. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I can get behind that. Like that I'm yeah. good with. And it's not that I had, like, my parents are still happily married after however many years. And there's none of that. But it was just like the partnerships that I had seen just didn't really, I was like, that isn't something that I'm interested in. And then, and even on children, you know, that was a big model Mm -hmm. for how we raise Neva is allowing her to be a full whole being from birth. And then what does that mean? Like, and there are implications for that and how you parent and how you dialogue and so, yeah, yeah it's, it's not, they're not new concepts. <laughs> no, no. I mean, people are using them now, or you're using them now. I shouldn't say people. You're using them now in that way. So I think that there is a place for a lot of teaching in that area. Yeah, so I see that. You should I'm not so much interested <laughs> in teaching it. I think I'm yeah. pretty clear that I've agreed to model it, and yeah. I'm attracting the folks who want to teach it, which because mm. I think you need both pieces. It's so nice, you know. The greatest thing this whole Superpower Experts experience has taught me is to really how to be able to relax into exactly what you want to be doing and not feel like you have to sit in many spaces. Again, our marriage Mm. did that too. You know, I noticed it first by how exponentially more powerful Justin and I were when we were just able to allow each other to sit in our spaces. And it's like, I quote this a lot, but it's like, you know, where two or more of you gather in my name, there also will I be. It's like, there's this exponential energy that happens when people choose to come together in those spaces. And so what I've been able to do over the last year is really get clear. Like, I don't really want to be coaching people in the traditional sense. Like, like I want, if people can't manage their day-to-day and their decision-making and that I have attractive people who can assist them in that where I really, Mm -hmm. really love to play is in that kind of oracle sense. Like, let me show you what's out there, what's ahead, what's up and out and give you the affirmations that you're looking for and the assurances and the hope that what you're journeying through has a purpose, you know, (laughs) like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But I don't think I could have relaxed into that space without forcing myself to explore the collaborative model. Mm. Or just like the modeling thing. It's like, wait, I don't have to teach this. I see see a huge need for these co-creative relationships. So I felt obligated and responsible. Okay, well, Justin and I have to teach this stuff. And I was like, wait, no, we don't. Like other people are teaching this stuff. You know, like I'll just show that it's possible. That's great. They're welcome to ask us, you know, and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who want to teach it. So Mm -hmm. let them teach it. (laughs) That's awesome. 
And it's so relaxed. It's like feels like a fun swimming pool that we're all kind of swimming together in. I love that image. And when you first started talking about how well I could, I realized I didn't want to teach that. And I felt relief. Like I just took a big, deep breath. And I was like, yes, it's just us being who we are mm-hmm. in the moment, right? In every moment. Like, is this truly what is lighting up my heart, my soul? Is this truly what feels like I am relaxing? Or mm-hmm. does it feel stressful? Does it feel like I'm the heaviness? But it feels light. It feels good. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it feels that way for you, then it's the next step, right? So, ah, you know, I wasn't putting this together before. Okay. Follow this. So I keep telling people like, you know, be careful what you ask for. Cause we advise a lot of entrepreneurs and stuff. And so everybody's got like, I'm going to build this million dollar enterprise doing this thing. And it's like, well, that's great. And you can do it and make sure that you know what you're asking for. Like, is that something you really want to Mm -hmm. manage? And Justin and I did that early on. We were set on a particular trajectory and all of a sudden we were like, wait, stop. Like we have a two year old, like, what do we really want? What are we asking for here? And we pulled everything back in at that time and and did a simple kind of consultancy business at first. And it was like, okay, this fits with our lives. We wanted to travel. We wanted to get really clear on where we wanted to play. And so it was an easy model. Like, I think that's why people do coaching and consulting Mm -hmm. stuff because it's an easy, easy business model. But we also knew that we didn't want to do that longitudinally, that we didn't come out of the spy world to create new jobs for ourselves. We wanted to build a business, but we just didn't know how we wanted to look. And so that was kind of our segue. So I've been hearing that come up a lot lately with folks about, you know, really be clear on what you're asking for, because there are implications of things that we don't always anticipate. And you can't always see all of them. Like that's a given, but you can assume that if you're building a multi-million dollar business, either you have to put a team in place or you're going to be very busy managing the business, at least for some time. Mm -hmm. And then this doesn't seem like it fits, but I think it fits. Neva and I were watching a Netflix documentary on pentatonics on the group. And the documentary took us through like, okay, they won whatever singing show they won. And oh my gosh, we're going to do this thing. And we've got a record deal and we're going on tour. And then by the end of it, it's like, we haven't seen our families and we haven't done all this stuff. But I think we all buy into that. So we get into coaching and it's like, we put ourselves up on this pedestal and our clients put us there. And then it's like, we have to do all of this. And then, you know, your client needs this piece of it, but you don't really have anyone to refer to in that piece. So you feel obligated, you know, you feel like I have to be able to do that for them. And you're not great at it, but you do it anyway, because you want to be helpful and, and they need it. And we kind of buy into this idea that you have to do it all. So back to the pentatonics example, it's like, but you don't have to do tours that way. Like you could choose to do it differently. And I talked to a lot of coaches like, well, I know I need to blog and I know I need to do that. I'm like, but do you want to blog? Like, do you want to do it that way? But there's these models that we see people being successful with, but we never stop and think like, why was it successful? Well, it was successful because it was what they wanted to do. Mm, yeah. So I think yeah. it's all interlinked. And it's like, just like with the marriage thing, with the parenting thing, like, do you want to do it that way? I take people through an exercise. I'm like, question everything. Like, do you still like chocolate ice cream? Like, if you don't, <laughs> stop eating it. Stop like, eating it. Yeah. you know, like you don't have to. But yeah. I think we buy into this kind of bill of goods that I don't know who's peddling it, but I guess we all are. I think it's all connected to what you were just talking about in a really kind of cool abstract way. What do you oh, think? Totally. I absolutely see like everything that's linked up there. And I think that's what my whole like purpose in my business is to help people uncover what is true for them and what they really want. And to make, I don't like the word goals. I actually don't use it, but maybe a vision of how they actually want to feel in their day-to-day life. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does your day look like? What does your day really look like? Do you want, like you said, do you want to be doing that? Do you want to be managing, you know, 50 people or do you want to go for a swim every morning in the ocean? <laughs> yeah. What is it that you, that your soul is just 
calling for and crying for, and we all know the answer to this, whether it's just the tiniest whisper and we get mm. hit with it. I mean, I get those whispers, you know, and if you don't listen or you're just ignoring it, or maybe you don't know how to listen to it, then it becomes maybe a normal talking voice. And then it, you know, becomes a scream. And of course that's what <laughs> And to your point also about why did this work for this person? Well, yes, they wanted it and it was in their highest and they were following the guidance that led them to what is in the highest for them. So you cannot absolutely look at anybody else's model or what's going on for them. The only way I think that that is beneficial is if you go, oh yeah, that lights me up. That makes Mm -hmm. me feel really good to think about how do they do it and I can learn from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way we did it was we looked at pieces like I like this piece of it. And so what's ironic is I remember in college, I was really into like intercultural studies and interrace relations and stuff like that. And I went to a retreat and you had to bring something that represented your culture. Well, you know, white middle-class America, I was like, okay, <laughs> setting me up for failure on this yeah. one, folks. Like, I know what we're talking about. I'm like, well, I could bring the Christmas tree because I'm part German, but I was like, I don't even connect to that, right? So I brought a quote and it was from Montaigne and I got scoffed at anyway, but it was my kind of thing. And it said, you know, I've gathered a posy of other men's flowers and only the three that binds them is my own. Mm -hmm. And I look at it and that's how we built our businesses. That's how we construct our lives. And it's like, oh, I want that piece. And I want this piece. And we just kind of thread them all together and feeling free to do that rather than to feel entrapped by this model or this thing. A lot of the problem I see lies in this is kind of a call out to consultants and coaches and stuff. It's like, don't try to fit everybody into your box. It's not going to work. And we could use more intuitive strategists and stuff who can get inside somebody's vision rather than overlaying it like, oh, this is how I did it. This is how you can do it. That's not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we have way too many people that are testing the bounds of what's possible. And and I see the ones that I see being successful are really willing to say, "Mm, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in doing it that way. I'm going to do it this way and see if it works. And I think we've lost some of the trial and error capacities. Like that's all life is, is trial and error. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work, try something different or tweak it a little bit. Or obviously we could talk about this for hours, but I wanted to really hit on and ask you, I'm just going to put you on the spot and say, so the show is about chaos and darkness. So are there dark forces at play Mm -hmm. in the world? Oh gosh, this question, something I have (laughs) had a relationship with for a while. (laughs) I will say that I cannot definitively know the answer to that. I don't know that anyone can. I can only speak from my experience. And for me, where I sort of sit energetically in the world, in the space of all the universes and dimensions, I do not experience, quote unquote, evil or dark forces in my life. And I feel blessed because I have talked to, you know, I have friends who are, of course, mediums and, you know, all of that. And I have heard their stories that they have, but I have not. It doesn't mean that I I think there's light and dark because you can't have one without the other. We all have those aspects to us. And so, of course, we can choose to operate in that space of those lower vibrations or unconsciousness or what have you and do things that appear to be, quote unquote, bad in the world, of course. But I feel fortunate that I do not experience those darkness, evil, all of that myself directly when I'm working with people or when I'm just going about my day. I do have spirits that come to me that need help or whatever, and it's never scared me. They never felt evil to me. They're usually kids. <laughs> I usually get the kids mm. that come. And they're like, hi, we're just, can you play with me? And I'm like, well, no, not right now. It's bedtime for me. <laughs> I come back tomorrow at 8 a.m. when my office hours are open. <laughs> oh, how funny. Uh, anyway. That. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone had told me one time that if you work with non-incarnate beings, you can actually set office hours yes. and require payment. And I thought that was such a cool concept. Like, <laughs> I don't experience the way think that way, but kind of, I part of me wanted to. I'm like, okay, now I want to have etheric <laughs> office hours, and um, <laughs> it was so much fun. But um, yeah. Justin's probably more apt to experience that kind of stuff. He plays that role in our partnership. That's cool. But I love your response because I get that question a lot. And I'm with you. Like I talk to people who it's a very real experience. So I can't say that it's not real. I don't experience, I never have, but I also wasn't attuned to clairvoyance and clairaudience and stuff at the point when I was really identifying with some lower frequencies where I think that some of that stuff occurs. So Mm. I had that luxury. I know I've watched some of what Neva's gone through and some of the stories Justin's shared with me about his abilities. And I think that my knowingness just is different. So it's like, so I don't experience it. So it's hard to say one way or the other. And I like what you said about there. It has to on some level because you can't have one without the other. And so I believe in the ability to share light. And so that would just absolutely denote that there's places where that doesn't exist. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen some of those places. I simply just don't experience them where I'm at. Maybe I need to put a shout out. So if you have experiences with dark (laughs) forces and not so much the scary, like maybe as you were coming up in the world and honing your gifts and there were these aspects, but maybe even now, like, because I do find, so here's my bias. I'll just admit it is that I do find a lot of people like the romanticism of that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so it's like, we're fighting the dark forces and that Mm -hmm. feeds that warrior archetype and people want it. And I'm all for people creating in the world, whatever they want to play in. So I don't know as though that conversation is all that of interest to me or the conspiracy theorist kind of things. Like I can, Mm -hmm. you know, we could talk about those all day long, but but I wonder, I wonder if there's another angle of that conversation So I invite people, if you have another angle of that, reach out to us and let us know. I'm happy to have you on the show because I don't see it. I don't know what it is, but I'm actually sensing in this moment that there's another perspective that Mm. I don't know about that would shed light on this. Mm. Yeah. Let's have that intention. I think that'd be a fun conversation. That would be. Oh, I'm sure there's things there to learn. Absolutely. To be taught. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Tara. Like, I mean, I don't even think I came close to sticking to the time we had thought about, but. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I guess I could have predicted that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's exactly what it needed to be. So. Oh, goodness. This is how things happen. But always delightful and I love just being in your space and in your energy and I'm so grateful that you've chosen to journey alongside us and share your energy and your light with the world and you know makes me just happy knowing you're out there doing your thing so thank you Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, Tonya and Justin, and what you guys have created for the world, you know, for us and for all those to come. And it's really amazing. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. I thank you. It feels good to hear that. And to all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers and change the world. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Power Up Podcast. Go now to the Power Up page at personalpowerexperts.com and tell us how you live in your power. And remember, we're all more powerful together. Together.